Blog Talk Radio. Unfortunately, I still have a song from the movie we're, we're reviewing here stuck in my head, so Hooray for Hollywood has failed yet again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Damn You, Hollywood. Uh, I'm Robert Winfrey. Thanks for being here tonight. Mark and I will be reviewing the latest Disney hit, and it's already a hit, folks. Moana, starring as yet on, you know, in her first major role. Oh, hang on. My mouth, my mouth is not used to making the sounds required in the same order to pronounce this young lady's first name. Auli Carvalho, I could swear there's supposed to be an accent in there that I'm missing, and former professional wrestler, current box office savior, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Before we really begin tonight, I need to apologize for our last show. Mark and I reviewed Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and for reasons that I cannot fully understand or describe, in large part because I don't know all of them, I was, uh, the internet term I believe is salty, which I referenced, Uh, I was neither in the best of moods nor in the, uh, nor, nor expressing and carrying myself in a way that I prefer to, that was, uh, not my best work. It was not representative of how I like to conduct myself on this show and in real life. And just really briefly wanted to apologize to Mark and to everyone who listened for essentially me on that last show. It was not something I'm ever going to put on a resume or be proud of in particular. So I'm sorry to everyone for that. However, I don't think that will be an issue this evening. I certainly hope not at any rate. Uh, We're talking about a movie that I actually have a firm opinion about, so I'm not left to snark to fill time. And I'm, again, I can't fully explain it, so hopefully tonight's better. That's where we're 
going to move on from there. So here with me, as always, to talk about how exploding things are great and how I take all this movie stuff too seriously, to be the voice of the average moviegoer, Mark Radulich. How you doing, Mark? Oh, I'm just ducky tonight. Someone give you shit about the last show? No, I just felt bad about it. Okay. It it did seem like you were being unnecessary season, but sometimes that's coming from a pure place of dissatisfaction with something, or you're just in a poopy mood. So I really wasn't sure what it was. Oh, a little from column A, a little from column B, if I could quote Grandpa Simpson. <laughs> um, this would be an interesting show because I ha- cause it, it, it sort of defies convention, as does the movie. Uh, normally, if we like a movie a lot and we don't have a whole lot to say about it, 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 we end up having to talk about other things because there's not much to say. It's like, oh, it's, it's good. Plugs, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, like I said, much, much like a movie, this is one of those weird cases where I really like the movie. I have almost nothing but positive things to say about it. I just rated it on Rotten Tomatoes, I think like five, four and a half stars or something like that. Um, but I have a lot to say about it. There are, there are, th- there are elements about this movie that are... I also need to spend minutes talking about the content that erupted out of this movie. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you what it is. We can readdress it when we're done talk, talking about the movie. Uh, it came out of the fact very naturally, and I didn't, and I didn't know this, actually, that I was a of it. All my family, so I was my wife and my two kids, and everyone had a good time. The thing is almost two hours long, which is my son can tolerate. He, he did go to, but up until about the third act. And, you know, it was kind of like, look, 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 Joe, look, that's happening. Aren't, isn't that interesting? And that, you know, I mean, not the theater or anything, but he was, you know, he did, he did reach his sort of limits and have to go sit on my wife's lap. Um, but he, you know, my, my daughter was completely in, to the point where if the character, so especially Moana, was doing something on screen, she would actually do like hand motions and imitate what was happening. I'm being the theater doing that. But it was very cute to watch. In any case, so we're walking out of the theater, and we're, uh, we're on our way to go get our, uh, our Christmas tree from the Christmas tree farm. And uh, Lee and they jokingly seriously, I jokingly said, hey, for Halloween next year, I think it'd be really fun if you and, you know, Lily, you and Joe dressed up as for Halloween. And they were like, yeah, now my son's really into it. He's like, I want to be Maui. And he, you know, seeing the toy in the store before the movie, he, he attracted, shall we say, to the Maui character. You know, big, strong, long-haired guy with a giant hook. What's not to like? You know. Exactly. So covered in tattoos. So uh, he's into it. She's into it. Uh, my wife turns to me and says, you do know what happened about that. I'm like, about what? A Maui costume, but it got pulled from the stores, like almost immediately. And I, and of course, I jump on Google and I do some research. And, I, and it turns out 
that uh, cultural appropriation is the problem, you see. I don't want to get into how, I don't want to get into this right now. I'm just laying out what the controversy was. We will round back to this and I will give an opinion, uh, as should you at that time, sir. For now, let's just lay out what this was. So Maui, as we'll talk about, is a demigod who is covered in tattoos and wears a grass skirt. The costume is a bodysuit with a grass skirt and the body uh, tone, the tone of the fabric, is the same as the skin tone of the character. And they I gave like you a wig brown, too, right? Because he's got the weird hair. Probably. I don't think the wig bothered anybody, so I didn't notice whether or not it was there. Um, so you have a tan bodysuit, tattoos, all over it, grass skirt. All right, now you look like Maui. Well, apparently people got pissed and said that brown is not a costume. Brown skin is not a costume. Merely equated it to bully and said that it was cultural appropriation to try to dress like this character. So, <laughs> needless to say, the costume's not available for purchase anymore. Disney pulled it. You ain't in any trouble, see? And now my son, my poor son, first world problems here, can't be Maui for Halloween. I came up with an alternative solution. I was going to, you know, say, well, you know, we don't want to offend brown folk. So what we'll do is we'll make you sort of, you know, white Anglo-Saxon uh, Maui. And what I'll do is I'll give him, uh, you know, jorts, you know, jean shorts, maybe, maybe some camouflage cargo shorts. Um, we'll put him in combat boots. I'll cover him in tribal tattoos and give him a pink mohawk. And he can be Caucasian Maui. That way no one gets offended. What do you think about that idea? I think that's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Which part? The mohawk? Because I'm generally not into giving my children mohawks. Very much against it, as a matter of fact. The mohawk is okay. Hang on. The mohawk is fine. It's just hair. Hair grows back. For some of us in less places than others, but it does grow back. I see. Okay. I don't think it's the wisest idea to take your small son, dress him like (laughs) white trash, and cover him in tattoos. Because no one's actually going to watch and look at the tattoos. They're going to assume he's a skinhead. But I've given him a mohawk. People are, no, no, it won't matter. People are stupid. Okay. So uh, Caucasian Maui, bad idea. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not that there's anything inherently wrong with wanting to dress your kid up as a demigod of the Caucasian variety. Uh, but you should find some from the more common mythology. I don't know. It's a, it's a whole year away, and there's more... <clears throat> excuse me. Look, you could give his hair ringlets, uh, uh, give him some armor, and pretend he's Hercules. He does like that movie. We can give him, you know, a gold belt and a tunic. All right. We have all year to figure this out. Only, you know, however, we explain to him very patiently the difference between Hercules and Heracles. 
you know, after what we went through this year with his costume, where he dressed up as Chase from Paw Patrol, and he kept throwing, and he, you know, and he had an ass, and he was a little, just kept throwing his hat on the ground, hoping he gets into Doctor Strange. And it was where, you know, the, the blue outfit. Ah. <laughs> he can throw the cape of levitation Put around. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping. I mean, he does he does like towels around his neck and tell people that he's super. So I'm kind of um my I think my goal for 2017 is to push him into becoming a fan of Doctor Strange. That's what I'm going to work on. I'm going to write this down in my journal of goals. Make my son a fan of Doctor Strange so his costume is less annoying. All right. Good goals. Uh, All right, let's go ahead and jump into the plot of this thing here. Um, Like Mark said, this is a weird movie in the sense that in some ways it very much follows the Disney princess movie setup, the archetype. In several others, it breaks it pretty substantially. So uh, the plot in and of itself is not going to do the movie justice. That's why we have the portion afterwards where we talk about what we like about the movie. Uh, In this case, we are introduced first to the legend of Maui, mighty demigod who stole the heart from the uh, island goddess who gives life to all things. Uh, He, his motivations, this is one of my few pseudo gripes with this movie. Uh, I actually wanted more Maui. And if they're able to do a live-action adaptation in the next three to four years where The Rock can still be Maui, I hope they do that. And I have have very specific cuts they could have made to give us time for that. So bear with me. When we get to that, I'll bring it up. Uh, But anyway, he steals the heart from this goddess, and things go badly. He He and his magical fish hook, which is the source of his power are batted out of the sky by a lava demon. He is stranded on an island. Uh, Darkness now spreads because if there's not life, there's darkness. This whole story is told to uh, baby Moana, who is entirely too adorable to be a believable baby. Just say it like that. Uh, Baby Moana is subsequently chosen by the ocean to be the one to carry the heart back to where it belongs and restore peace and harmony. Uh, She can't do this as a baby, understandably. Uh, She grows up as the daughter of the chieftain on this island. She is going to take his place at some point in the near future. And we get a nice little musical montage of her growing up on the island. Some of her, uh, you know, conflict. She is constantly drawn to leave the island, to leave the nest, so to speak. And the father, no. we No one leaves the island. I imagine he saw one too many episodes of Lost. Just, no, nobody uh, leaves the island. Eh, bad jokes, I know. Terrible joke. That's tell him why he uh, really doesn't want people to leave the, the island. Well, well, it turns out, and Moana's mother explains this to her, that when he was a precocious lad... This chief actually did go out past the the reef, which is off the coast of the island, uh, with a friend of his, 
they were not adequately prepared for actual open ocean. Boat crashed, capsized, friend drowns, father scarred. Uh, makes sense. I'm glad the father's desire to keep the daughter safe actually makes sense in this rather than simple overprotective parent syndrome. They actually, hey, here's why. Much appreciated. Uh, anyway, the, the spreading darkness eventually does find this island. Uh, fish leave. Coconuts start rotting. Uh, it, very soon it's going to become uninhabitable. And Moana leaves to restore balance to the world because she's the only one who can. In order to do this, she has to find Maui, whom she locates. He sings an obnoxiously catchy song. Seriously, your welcome <laughs> is still in my head to varying degrees, and it's annoying. Uh, but he tries to steal her boat because all he wants is his magic fish hook back so he can return to, you know, being Maui. Uh, eventually he and Moana make a deal to fulfill his purpose because in the, fulfill her purpose because during the course of that they're going to need his fish hook anyway. Then he will set right what he set wrong by stealing the heart. Uh, they encounter obstacles, a bunch of pygmies that are basically coconuts, a giant shiny crab that I, I, I ugh, just so much no. I have nothing against crustaceans, but that whole sequence, just so long. And they had that <laughs> song. It's not a good song. Anyway, they eventually do uh, get Maui's fish hook back, but his mojo's a little bit off. Personal introspection fixes this. They attempt to take the heart back to the island where it's supposed to be, but giant lava monster stops them again. Uh, this time it nearly breaks Maui's fish hook, so he decides, yeah, nuts to this. Uh, my, my power comes from the fish hook. And if it breaks, I am just screwed. He flies off, uh, which, of course, telegraphs the heroic return. Uh, Moana finds her inner courage again, and uh, inspired by the spirit of her grandmother. She makes another run for the island. Maui shows up at the crucial moment, actually does break his push hook, uh, saving her. She comes to the realization that, no, there's not actually an island here. When he stole the heart from this goddess, she became giant lava monster. Uh, heart is returned. Goddess restores life in the natural order of things. Gives Maui a new fish hook. And Moana returns to remind her people that they used to be seafarers and voyagers rather than, you know, homebodies on the island. And balance is restored. Moana leads elements of her people out to discover new and exciting islands while Maui returns to being exciting demigod. And there is the dumbest rooster ever tagging along for the totality of this. Yes. A rooster named Psychag. All right. Look, the first thing that needs to be said about That's this. That's true. His is, name is actually Hey Hey. I mean, that, that is need to talk, kind of just a uh, side gag. We need to talk about princess conventions in Disney movies and how Moana really not only defies the princess convention, but in a lot of ways, the hero conventions as well. They made her a very interesting 
and three-dimensional character. For one, right off the bat, there's no love story in this. There's no prince. I was no so happy. I almost cried when I got to the end and realized, yes, no love story. Finally. Yeah. No, there's not even a Prince Valium. You know, there's not even someone who she's betrothed to that she detests. No, not that's a Spaceballs joke, everybody. Um, this is nothing. She, she's, uh, and this leads into another another convention. It's a truly independent female character with her own uh, sets of beliefs and desires, none of which de- defined by a relationship with somebody else, at least not in a romantic way. I mean, we can talk about parents and Maui and whatnot, but ultimately what we have is this person who has other stuff going on. There's been frozen and driven by a desire to, to be romanced because this is an ongoing issue <laughs> with a lot of the princesses in, in, in Disney movies. Even you know, even entangled, as much as we all like Rapunzel, you know what what is one of the driving factors of that movie is her falling in love with Flynn over time, and her sort of you know rehabilitating him as you, you know, as it were. Um, but that's a whole other story there. Uh, in any case, Wait, and like I said, like Frozen is <laughs> Frozen is just dirty with you know romance and betrayal and that in this movie none and. You know, the, the necessity of Hollywood to shoehorn love stories where they don't belong. And so much of was, my hate. Damn you, Hollywood. And the movie was, was, was devoid of all of that, which I don't know if that irked anybody else who was looking for that sort of thing, but it was really refreshing to see a movie that had none of it. Um, what was also really interesting about this movie and really fun for me was that Moana, the character, was not a reluctant leader. She was not a reluctant princess or queen. She pretty willingly accepted the role. You know, you know she has this sort of gaze to the sea, this, you know, this wanderlust inside of her, but she manages to understand in the movie that might be a thing internally as a greater purpose, and that is to be the chieftain to this tribe. And she, there's no, there's no scene of her looking bored or frustrated like that. She accepts the really with gusto. You, there are multiple scenes or interactions she has with uh, the villagers where they're coming to her for leadership. Um, it is exactly that sort of thing that drives her to leave the island because what, you know, it, it's in screenwriting class, they would talk about why is today different than any other day? And what made today different in Moana, the fact the island was dying. The, the dark, you no know, fish to be had, the coconuts were, uh, were rotting. Problems were solvable in the short term. What she recognizes is that in the long term, if they don't do something drastic, if they don't do something, uh, they're all going to die. It's going to be the end of her civilization. So there's no 
I am, you know, I've killed my father and I have to go on to gay animals. There's none of that. There's, there's no, uh, there's no, I'm running for my responsibilities. She is trying a problem by finding Maui and making him give the heart back and thus saving the island from destruction. I don't know how many iterations of this movie in the script writing process this went through to get to that point, but bravo, bravo, uh, bully for you, Hollywood. That's what I like. Uh, um, the it was the Maui character is played by The Rock, perfect in the sense that he was there from a reluctant Obi Wan Kenobi to her Luke Skywalker. It's by uh, by necessity that he has anything to do with this girl. The scenes of him throwing her off the boat <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> were great. Even after they finally like no, shake and he's seemingly come to terms with it, he still throws her off the boat. And when the ocean puts her back, he goes, eh, it was worth a try. Right. Like, he's a scumbag, basically. <laughs> You know, and he's doing this out of necessity. He has desires he met, and, and he doesn't see another way. It's that moment. Uh, you know, I would say, well, what's the character like? I would say it's a Polynesian hand solo. And he only comes back. In fear, the enemy was too great. There was too much risk, and you know, deep in, you know, in his heart, he couldn't do it. And he comes back, and the Tada Nick of it's a great character, and not, not one you see in, in in these Disney films. To reiterate, he's girl, you know, in the romantic sense. Respect her as far as it goes. And even when she says to him, we could use a guy like you on the island. And I'm like, oh, no. Please don't don't force a love story where there wasn't one the entire movie. He goes, nope. <laughs> Turns into an eagle and takes off. Or a hawk or whatever the winged animal was. Turns into a bird. And it was great. You know, he tells her, look, they've, they've got somebody who can teach him how to, how to go to the sea. <laughs> so all of that was a villain in this movie, which was interesting. This was very much a uh, a character study and a um, you know a hero's arc adventure, but entirely driven by the relationship between Moana and Maui and their adventures. There's no villain pushing the action, which was interesting for Disney because unlike Marvel, their villains tend to be really good. You yeah, know, it's almost like you, you and I did a series of podcasts on those. <laughs> their their villains tend to be stronger than their heroes in a lot of ways. You know, oh, what's yeah. the most interesting part of Snow White? The Evil Queen. What's the interesting part of Sleeping Beauty? Maleficent. You know, even even the Lion King going you know way far. Uh, you know, into the you know, into the Renaissance period of Disney films, 
Scar is the most interesting character in the Lion King. You know, darn right. What's his name? Um, what's the character's name? Uh, the lead. The Which lead one? lion. Oh, Simba. The, the star of the goddamn thing. Simba. Not Mustafa. Simba. Yeah. You know, he's much more interesting than Simba. Um, what's, what's the most back at Notre Dame? The goddamn villain, that's who. I don't remember anybody else in that movie. So, and it just goes on like that. This was the first movie where they said, okay, heroes. Uh, and the villain was basically kind of a a final boss. And that they went against convention. Problem is that she's not really evil. She's been uh, corrupted. Um, put the heart back, the thing comes back to normal, becomes an island again, you know, finds all of its grace and beauty, it remembers. Like, huh. For a Disney movie, especially one featuring a princess. So, things. Think about them. I'm going to take a breath here and let, you know, Robert sort of pipe in. But I do want to talk about have of this movie. Uh, but I'll Save that for um, all the all the good stuff. So you want to jump in here or uh, points or anything to what I've already said? Well, I I agree with you. I actually get a, got a kick out of her at a few different points saying, "No, I'm not a princess." Uh, to which Maui <laughs> gives the appropriate response: "You wear a dress. You have an animal sidekick. You're a princess." Yeah, there was a lot of tongue-in-cheek sort of uh, fun at the conventions itself within the movie. It, it was very aware that it was a princess movie, in the meta sense. Yeah, uh, but thankfully they didn't go stupid with it, uh, which they easily easily could have. Uh, I agree with you about you know defying the princess conventions, uh, you know, reimagining them uh, very successfully in this instance. Uh, you're also right about Maui as a character in Disney movies. You don't get the kind of, uh, you know, the heroic scoundrel. It's right. not a, that is not a character type that Disney delves into frequently. And it works very well here, I think, in no small part because of what The Rock brings to it from a voice perspective. The same way that uh, Auli Carvalho brings a lot of the emotion for the character through her voice, the rock does a, uh, an excellent job you know, going the, going up and down the ladder with Maui. You know, he starts out as a bit of a con man, a little bit pompous, you know, has his humbling moments, has his moment when he gets his power back and, you know, finally his heroic, you know, his low point And then the heroic return, he does all of that very well. Handled his uh, motivation. I mean, that whole introduction and his explanation for things, There, he's not evil. That of evil. His explanation, and this is the almost, you know, kind of villain. The ones that do things because they believe they are the right thing to do. Yeah, I really do wish we'd gotten a little bit more of Maui in this movie. Uh, in two ways specifically, one, when he's, when he finally talks about, you know, his, 
origin, how he came to be and why he was doing what he was doing. I wanted a little more of that. I wanted him to actually dovetail that into the stealing of the heart. I wanted to touch back on that, you know, that story we started with kind of a differentiating the myth that was told, you know, as a story by the grandmother from what he did, why he did it. Uh, because, you know, he, he talked yeah, about how he, he does everything the, else. Have the, the, you have the external explanation, his rationale behind it, which is, you know, I was giving to you humans, you ungrateful bastards, you. I gave you all of these things. I gave you the heart of the island so that you could have you. And then you find out that he's doing all of this because he has a giant uh, inferior because his parents threw him away. Um, well, that's kind of what I wanted. Okay. I wanted to see, uh, because he talks about, you know, I did all these things for mortals in large part because he was, again, abandoned as an infant and rescued by the gods. And then I, but he says something weird and I wanted it clarified mostly. He said, you know, no matter what I did, it was never enough. And, and that was I, a psychological thing. Well, no, no, hang on. Here's why I wanted to touch on oh. that because some of it is him. You know, he, he can never give enough to fill the void uh, from the abandonment. I also kind of wanted people, the, you know, a flashback scene almost, or, you know, more illustrate his tattoos to come to life again and talk about how he'd do something great for mortals, for humanity. You know, you need more islands. Okay, bam, islands. Uh, you need, we, we need food, you know, we need a sustainable food source. Here, coconuts. I've got you guys. And I wanted to see a little bit of them maybe just, you know, you know, when he says it's never enough, I want that to be a bit of a two-way street. I want that to be, you know, him not feeling fulfilled. And I want a little bit of, you know, people kind of sucking because they do. And that to have kind of spurred a little bit of his... You know, I, I I agree. Like, I was gonna say I was seeing him deciding the team seemed like it was a long. Uh, what, what was it, what were they the, the number of things that he for him trials. Okay. Long, long line of things, sort of. Uh, um, I didn't seem to reason to doing it other than thing to do was another notch on the belt. Now he does appreciate it, but I would have would have towards the heart action to uh, loving him. Giving him praise, kind of. A, I would have liked to have seen sort of playing on what you said, sort of a. You know, I did this for you. Hey, that's great. I did this for you. Huh? Oh, good. Well, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> so, and then yeah. him going, okay, well, you, you, you want the best, huh? You the best, and then he goes and takes. Fine, I will get. I will bring you the power to create life. And uh, hey, it goes badly. I mean. Like that kind of thing always does. Right, uh, so honestly, the, a little... the other thing I wanted from Maui 
very specifically, because as soon as he takes off, you know he's coming back. I mean, that's the trope. I really wanted a and then scene. He, and then he blows up the desk. Yeah, yeah, I know. I wanted a, I want instead of just him showing back up at the last minute, which is what they all do, I really did kind of want a scene where he has it out with, like, his tattoos over going back and helping her. Or at least that, or at least an acknowledgement of it, you know, sort of you know the tattoo doing something and him go like fine you win, that sort of thing. I just just uh, piggybacking on that defiance of convention and it is not Maui who the, the the evil princess and she doesn't even feed it so much as she figures it out. She's like oh wait a minute, you're the island aren't you? You need your heart back scene, but I mean, she has to rank up there with one of the smartest princesses in the, uh, you know, in the lot. It was nice to see oh, something easily. end in a, you know, like you had enough fight interesting, but in the end it was her, uh, her brains that figured things out, not her, you know, not, not just a random Michael Bay type action scene. You know, this isn't Prince Philip slaying Maleficent the dragon realizes what's happening and corrects the problem. In, in defiance of all conventions, it's a nice way to end the movie. Um, anything else? Uh, let me think. Uh, the animation for this is beautiful. Just Oh, isn't it though? Uh, you, it made let's good I think of, you went a bit further than yeah. I did with the praise as far as what it looks like. Uh, I don't think this is quite photorealism in the traditional sense. However, it is all internally consistent. It is detail-oriented, and it is absolutely gorgeous to look at. I, I'll give you this. I may have been swept away by the choice of location. The story takes place on, on like a prairie farm. It's about you know the photorealism in the good dinosaur, how look real. You know the grass seems to individually move with the wind, uh, but the dinosaurs looked a little cartoony. But they were talking dinosaurs. Whereas this, people probably were animated, but at least you know you had furrowed brows. You had individually moving hair, you know, nothing felt stock or flintstone-y, but they were set against a backdrop of pure beauty. That water, if you've ever actually, like, been to the Caribbean or been to places where the water is completely fucked up, and you can see, like, crystal clear blue water, and it's gorgeous. It's sight to behold. You wouldn't think that we've corruption across the planet. By looking at it, I don't seem fine, but just, you know, those first couple of minutes of the little baby walking into the ocean, and some of the time. Oh, that is, yeah, that is so, so beautiful. Uh, oh, real briefly, uh, to make room for my additional Maui scenes, because as we mentioned, this movie hits about the critical mass for length that you want for a movie like this. Uh, the crab goes. And we're all better off. Let's talk about this. 
think you need to lose the crab. You, there needed to be another obstacle for them to come across. They say it right in the movie. First we get my hook, then we go attack, then we go kill I'm, the crab. Uh, okay, let me rephrase. When I say lose the crab, I don't mean lose the sequence, necessarily. Because you can still do the action sequence of they go to the realm of monsters and reclaim the fish hook. I'm okay with that. I agree. It needs that. We don't need a three-minute musical number. Okay? We really don't. Oh, I It was like somebody sat down and was like, well, reviewers might hate the fine, you know, video game boss monster in this scene. Let's give him a personality. Ooh, let's give him a voice actor. Let's give him a song. And, like, he just goes on and on and on, like, to the point where all you needed to do was create a sufficient goal for the two of them to... Look, the, you know, the monster never speaks. He ah. shows up. He chases Moana. Uh, we engage in, <clears throat> you know, physical conflict with said crab monster. And it's over in half the time. And then we can, you know, actually get a little bit more character song, study without appreciably the, lengthening the movie. It, it, I mean, you keep the length of the action stuff, I think. Just don't have the stupid dialogue and the song. Um, I think everything else you can keep. You could have gotten the point across that the crab like shiny things. That that very much seemed like they were looking at the runtime and what they had there. Like, oh, let's fuck it. Let's give the... Hey, remember when we gave Olaf a song? Let's give the crab. Maybe it was a studio note. Because, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to imagine. That, that does movie. feel like a studio oh. note as far as that goes. Because oh. uh, there's a similar scene in uh, Kubo and the Two Strings where they have to reclaim a mystical sword that is being guarded by a monster. And they managed to do so without a stupid musical number. <laughs> I have that they didn't initially have a song and dance number. Um, and in the studio, sort of looked at it and it's like, there's no comedy song. Song, you've got the girl song. We don't even have a traditional villain. You need a villain song. We need a poor, unfortunate soul here. And and they they got we got the crab louse. We got it shiny. Lords of Acid. Look, that whole sequence um, is your tribute to so the donors. That's what you're doing. You are appealing to the pothead audience with that sequence. That's actually a great way to transition into my one and only criticism of this movie. And it's not a criticism as such, but uh, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and say it. Okay. Some of them, uh, I didn't find them on first viewing to be. Now, you might just, you know, as you vary. That, that might just be a personal thing. It's one thing. The songs. Craft-wise, as I would say, not incompetently performed. The music is competent. It is professional. It is fine. It is adequate. Um, it's not where that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> okay? Because it sure as shit wasn't the plot. Um, it has amazing music. People of Frozen is basically a two-hour-long music video, and they're not wrong. Uh, 
go to this day. I mean, what it's about and what it represents and everything get, you know, still makes me emotional. Do you want to build a snowman, especially as it gets sadder in the girl realizing that no, she does not man with you because everything is crap. This sort of healing pop are fine. They, they, they represented the movie. Well, they added to the movie in a, you know, sufficiently well, still not as good as this movie is superior in every single way to everything that has come out of Renaissance, except for the music. The music to me just there. Uh, I agree with you with two exceptions, and I posted this on Facebook. I'm going to say it again here. Uh, first of all, you're welcome from The Rock is, again, not a great song in the, you know, in the pantheon of Disney, great, you know, great Disney songs, probably doesn't rank. It has two things going for it. One, it is supremely catchy. Again, it's still kind of, I've got, you know, the little melody still in my head. But is that not... Oh, hang on, hang on. And not necessarily... Uh, I think I missed the last part of your question there. Okay. All right. Let me let me rephrase. Even though you didn't hear me the first time, I'll rephrase anyway. I feel it's funny and entertaining and memorable. And that another same lyric, not nearly as memorable. That's fair. That's entirely possible. Uh, but the other thing I like about that song, hang on. The other thing I like about that song is that within the context of the story, it fits as the giant misdirection, which I really like. The fact that you know he's singing and he's going on and going on, and about the time that she's really falling for it, if you're paying attention as an audience member, you start to realize, wait a minute. Something's up here. And then he drops the whammy. I love the structure right. of that song as it pertains to the overall film. And honestly, I think um, the best song from this whole movie is uh, How Far I'll Go. It's you know, Moana's princess song. It's probably the best... Uh, how do I phrase this? The best, like, adventuring... Bring me that horizon type song that Disney's done. Yeah, I would have a tough time finding a comparable song. Um, here, but here's the thing: like, only as, comparable as we're talking song about actually isn't Disney. It's um, I saw someone who posted this, and I agreed with it after I looked it up. There's a song from uh, um, Anastasia, which I can't remember the name, and I haven't seen the movie in entirely too many years and I wasn't terribly impressed anyway but there's one song from that movie that I think is comparable as far as that goes and I think this one's better I, I'm just sitting here thinking about like memorable music I, and again this might be a personal thing I, I haven't really wrestled with it long enough to 
don't know whether I'm not separating my own feelings from it. But if you were to say, name five memorable, let it go, poor unfortunate souls, uh, anything from the genie. (laughs) Genie. And pretty much anything from Beauty and the Beast. Any of the big three from that's from that song from that movie. Yeah. Uh, I just can't. Even though it's a douchey song, it's still really catchy. Yes, it um, is. You know, bibbity bobbity boop. <laughs> you know, at least, I can't get that one out of my head half the time. Um, I just like. Maybe it's because of multiple viewings. Maybe it's because these are these are known classics. I say anything in an instant classic to me. Again, that's that's not saying they're bad. Far from it. Absolutely listenable soundtrack. None of it to me screamed run out and buy. Now I had now I talked about that with a few people on Facebook, and the response I got was, "You might feel differently." Saw Frozen at mid boat, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, at a cruise, and I instantly fell in love with "Let It Go." And, I mean, I'm a music person. I, I'm as passionate about music as I am about film, and what I I like, you know, I know what's, what's going to stick with me. Give an example. Remember everything about uh, All Nightmare Long, uh, Death Magnetic, which was which came out. You know, that has years. And I don't remember the last time I actually listened to Death Magnetic. So like I said, there are though. songs that... There are songs that even with will you know will absolutely on my, my uh, you know the little earworms will wrap themselves around my brain and I can't get it out of my head. I mean, like I walked out of the movie and forgot the music. So that would be the only thing I would say, column for Moana. Although everywhere else, that none of that really matters. It's just sort of you know, an observation I made. Yeah, I, again, I don't necessarily disagree with you. However, it should be noted that uh, as two white males over the age of 30, I'm pretty sure the music <laughs> is not necessarily aimed at us. It said, uh, I wasn't much younger than I am right now. Fell in love with that. I, I get, I, and this is not about individual enjoyment of the of the music. This is just about, you know, how does something become a, classic how does it stick with a large group of people you and i may not be the greatest barometer as far as what winds up with sticking power out of this movie assuming anything does at all hey uh i'm not gonna argue that (laughs) i really don't know but you know as as we're talking i will say i'll be surprised if you know we're really talk if we revisit this discussion years from now with uh, you know another animated movie and go well that well uh, i mean you know the music was okay it wasn't as good as anything in moana but <laughs> it was on moana good um 
Uh, oh, Jesus. Um, I was trying to look up uh, the second renaissance here. Uh, I can't seem to find a list. But um, oh, what? 2008 the present. Hang on. Yeah. Well, all... I will find it well, for uh, you. Don't worry. Well, I've got, I've got the Wikipedia up. It just doesn't have in the list. Um, oh, you just have to know where to draw the line. The is... 2008 to present is referred to as the Disney revival era. Um, 2000 to 2007 is called, sorry, the 85 to 97. Now, uh, ah, here we go. 89 to 99 is referred to as the Renaissance. This is, we are in the revival era. Um, now the Renaissance starts with, um, so little mermaid and then peaks with, oh, what's it peak with? I will remember this. Hang Pocahontas. on. Again, Pocahontas, uh, probably. And it peaks with the Lion well, King. Pocahontas is a step down from the Lion King. Okay. I guess, well, well it depends on how you're, de- you're defining that, because I think Pocahontas made money. Um, yeah, but nobody really remembers it. The Lion King made money, was a critical success. Pocahontas, Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan... I mean, you see the downward trend. Not that they're necessarily bad movies, but we have clearly peaked and are in the midst of the trough. All right, so uh, I'm going to say it starts with The Princess and the Frog, which had great music in it, especially have a soft spot for, the, for New Orleans. Uh, you have Tangle, which has great music. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's either oh, Princess um, or Tangled, depending oh. on one's perspective. From a quality standpoint, it's probably Princess and the Frog. From a commercial standpoint, it's Tangled, and it's not all that close. Um, the, uh, the, the, one, uh, the, the one about living your dreams in Tangled, I think, is hilarious. So I think you're trying to make an argument for, uh, for remembering it, and I can't remember it. But, you know, I, I know it. Way <laughs> down deep inside, it, you've got a dream, Mark. Great. I've got a dream, which is awesome. And Even the, 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 Brad um, Garrett, of all people. The 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 villain song is is amazing in that in that movie. Yeah, I the mother or whatever the hell it's called. Haven't seen it in entirely too Ooh. long. All right, skipping over Winnie the Pooh. Then we have Wreck It Ralph, which has no music. And we've got Frozen, talked about at length now. Your big hero. A Marvel adaptation and no music. We've got Zootopia, Maze Ball. One song. Then had no music. Zootopia so, had one song. That was did it. That one song. Got the Shakira song. I'm not counting that. <laughs> Nor should you. But for the record, there was one vocalized song that played over the movie. So. So to finish up this discussion of music in the revival era, you really only got four to compare, to, to compare, and that's The Princess and the Frog, Tangled, um, Frozen, and now uh, Moana. And I and you know and Frozen leads them all by a country mile. And like I said, I would of that list, I would actually go Frozen, Tangled, Princess and the Frog, Moana. That's just me. I, I'm not sure how I'd rate them. I'd really, again, there's a few of those that I just haven't heard in entirely 
too long and clearly didn't stick with me on an emotional level enough to remember them. So that's certainly fair. All right. Uh, anything else to say about this movie? If not, I think it's time. Uh, let me think. Is there anything else? Uh, I would like to thank the producers and the filmmakers of this movie for taking Clucky off of the hands of the combat sports community for the duration of the filming of this project. We are all very grateful. We wish you would have kept him. Mo- Moana featuring. I wanted that. I mean, look, I know that Alan Tudyk actually does the vocals of Hey Hey, but I really wanted and introducing Clucky as Hey Hey, because if you've ever heard Mark or any of us go on about Clucky, the combat sports chicken judge who can't get any, who can't get the score right to save his life. Look at that chicken. Whatever the score and you is, will know. 29-28. I need gifts of that chicken. That's what I'm going to wind up using for Clucky for a while. Uh, just um, and any time I want him to go away, I'm going to put it a you know a half a half empty coconut on his head. A boat snack. He couldn't even fatten up properly. Uh, actually, I, something that does bear mentioning. <laughs> Let me lay it out this way. So there's a boat chase scene where where the little pygmy coconut. Oh, I love that thing. scene in large part because it's an homage to probably the greatest action movie of the last 20 years. Um, and so, you know, if you've seen Mad Max Fury Road, you know what the, you know, what, what the sort of pan across of all the cars coming, you know, coming towards you on screen look like. They did an homage to that in the movie. Now, I didn't know about this. I don't, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not a 12-year-old girl. I don't, I don't Snapchat. I, I don't, don't Instagram. I don't Instagram either. I follow The Rock on Twitter, and he, whenever he does something interesting, he will link it through there as well. And the intro to that led me to kind of go, okay, wait, I'm curious now as to what this is. I, I do not have an Instagram. And I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh, that looks funny. Uh, that looks kind of familiar. And my wife, she goes, Hey, that looks like Fury Road, and I'm like, oh, good, per- nice perception, good job. And I, and I tell Winfrey about it. I'm like, oh yeah, there's this whole Fury Road. He's like, yeah, I know. The Rock put it on Instagram. I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> I am one no-selling son of a gun. That's what I do. There's a lot of that in this movie. Um, Frozen and the Olaf character and some of, some of the other stuff in Disney. Like I said. It almost approaches meta, not quite, and it certainly doesn't do it in a stupid way. But the movie, there's a lot of self-aware comedy in this movie. By the Rock, <laughs> he handles it very, very well. He has a got, he has a lot of good one-liners. That well, nobody actually, does self, nobody does self-aware comedy like the Rock. You know, just little things like like these are the things that were memorable to me. Memorable to me, like grabbing the rooster and yelling "boat snack." Um, things like that. It was all very funny. There were a lot of funny visuals. You know, there was, I mean, his interactions with Moana early on are very Daffy Duck Bug funny. Before, you know, her, him throwing there her off the, the boat. There is 
school Looney Tunes. Yeah, she tries to dive onto the boat and belly flops just behind it, and he kind of just laughs. <laughs> yeah. They did not treat her like a, uh, you know, a, a fragile um, Fabergé egg. You know, she, she takes bumps and bruises. Um, you know, even so, and you are Maui and you will get on my boat. Oh, they had some fun with that. Oh, what fun they had. <laughs> and it was great to see her sort of struggle with that whole thing. But uh, I, I think we have talked this movie to death. Um, Go see that movie. Good. You can uh, thank us later. Uh, yep. However many stars, I, I gave it almost the maximum amount of stars on Rock. In my opinion, by far, one of the best, if not the best, Disney princess movies since, I mean, there's almost nothing wrong with it. Second best animated movie of the year. Um, Even better than Zootopia. Yes. But that said. Second best animated movie of the year. Nothing's topped Kubo yet. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right. Seriously. With all that said, folks. Tremendous movie. Here comes That's the my... money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. All right. I honestly thought you were going to stop talking. Sorry. Don't worry about it. Um, I was just going to put over Kubo <laughs> again because it's, a, again, best animated movie of the year. He's got a budget of 150 million dollars. Uh, I have not seen it yet. So has got a budget of $150 million, needs $300 to break even, and uh, start to be profitable. It's currently at $101 million. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it smashed all kinds of records its opening weekend. Um, I think uh, comparatively on Box Office Mojo, uh, the six-day total, it's already beaten Frozen by a large country mile. Holy shit. Six Frozen total really st- Frozen stuck around. Frozen grew over time and then beat out things from week to week more so than had a smash opening. And never – just look, um, don't but- underestimate the promotional juggernaut. That is Dwayne Johnson. That man promotes the crap out of everything he does. He should really so be paid more just because of the promotional material he's going to put out of his own volition. A total for Moana is eight total for Frozen fifteen million. So yeah, certainly supports what you're saying there. Five five days for Doctor still not quite as good as Iron Man though. It did beat it in another category. Five day total for Iron Man. Um, this is a point of fact. The 84-day total for Dawn of Justice is 330 million. The 84-day total for Suicide Squad, 324. Almost catching, you know, almost at each other there. Almost even. Um. So anyway. Uh, if only they both Moana were better. Moana movies. scores. Uh, <laughs> Moana scores about 81. Largest five. Day Thanksgiving opening of all time. Third By largest f- three-day Thanksgiving opening. By a fair margin, this thing smashed the record for largest opening over Thanksgiving. <laughs> a top 12 that grossed 
the combined 173 million moves. Moana was, however, the only real success story among the allied and bad Santa to fell short of expectations. And rules don't apply via space. Playing, it's uh, a biographical drama comedy somebody. starring Warren Beatty about uh, what's his face? Crazy guy, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. I'm like, that's not right. Um, delivered the worst opening of 2016. Um, at the top, uh, the Moana delivered an estimated 55.5 million three day opening and an estimated 81.1 million five day opening. Um, compared it to uh, Frozen. Moana's three-day weekend is also the third largest opening for Disney Animation Studios. Um, behind only Zootopia and Big Hero which opened on a Friday and showed Moana's three-day growth in uh, it would surpass Big Hero, Big Hero 6. So, wondering well, who the hell saw Moana's demographic breakdown was 40 55 percent uh, versus 55% female, 12 years or under, the age of 25, and 72% of the audience made up of families. Uh, once again, a big shock. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, weekend, uh, this weekend coming up, uh, Spain, the UK, Russia, and Mexico, along with Belgium, Hungary, Slovakia, Iceland, South Africa, Philippines, Malaysia, Thailand, India, Paraguay. And uh, how did it compare to its competition? Uh, well, clearly it was number one. Uh, Smoked their bacon. Well, no, I lied. Uh, according to the chart here, we are looking at November 18th through the 24th, and this thing, well, okay. So we didn't uh, looking at the calendar here. May um, fourth, so that starts if Friday ends one day after Moana came out. So this isn't the best judge of the weekend box office, but I'm gonna read this anyway. Uh, Fantastic Beast is was actually Moana came in at number four, but didn't have the whole weekend to. Mbakova's Mojo has not updated this. Uh, that's what we've got so far, but I'm sure once the full weekend is... Oh, it, it did. I want one pretty handily. I remember seeing that. Where did I see that? No, I, I saw that it, it won. It won big. The thing's made over $100 million already. It's It's huge. Yeah. Basically, it's currently sitting at 29 with 84 million between Miss Peregrine's Home for Mutants and The Accountant. Uh, worldwide, it's I think at like number 69, 69, 69. Uh, yeah, it's 61 rather between Neighbors 2 and The Little Prince. Um, it's obviously by the end of the year going to, you know, be somewhere uh, currently as they have since the summer owns the plot. Captain America Doctor Strange has finally bumped up above the top, top 10 
five Disney movie in the top ten. The Secret Life of Pets, Batman v Superman, Deadpool, Suicide Squad, and Sony's foreign Chinese film, The Mermaid. Uh, as we've said before, expect Moana and Rogue One to enter into the top ten, giving uh, giving Disney eight. <laughs> Sorry, seven. Seven out of ten spots for the year. Where the only the money? Real question there is going to be whether or not Rogue One's whether or not Rogue One will cross the you know seven hundred million dollar mark prior to the flipping of the calendar. I mean, people are still going to see it into seventeen, and it's still going to count for 16's receipts as far as that goes because it was released in sixteen. But I'll just say this: don't be shocked if the movie doesn't quite crack the top 10 before January 1st, 2017. And for you Harry Potter fans, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them currently sits number 13 for the year worldwide at $476 million uh, between Warcraft and Kung Fu Panda 3. Yes, a movie that came, an animated movie from Fox that came out in January of movie worldwide. It's been a rough year, folks. That's all I can say. (laughs) So um, we said it needed to be $36 million, $360 million. It did. We're at $476. So yay for Warner Brothers. At least you get that franchise right. Um, So far, at least. Before we get Before we get into uh, the Rotten Tomato thing, and there's not many of them. There's only three Rotten reviews. So there's always got to be some douchebag out there. There is some jackass who re- gave Toy Story 3 a negative review. Just if you want to know the quality of humanity and how far we have sunk as a species back towards the primordial pond scum, there's your indicator. <laughs> uh, I want to quick just address the cultural appropriation. You know... Look, I understand there are no green people out there, but as, as you may or may not know, the Hulk is green. And, we, and, and when you make a Hulk costume, I don't know if people know this or not, but it's a green muscly bodysuit with purple shorts. Why? Because the Hulk is green with purple shorts. And if you've been to Disney over the last couple of years, you will see many a white boy running around in green skin and purple shorts. Oh, and by the way, there are plenty of adults with their manly workout bodies running around with no shirt on and no shoes on wearing purple shorts, and they've painted themselves green. That's not even a lie. There, are, there have been a handful of people who dressed up as the Hulk that showed up for Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party and nothing but their ba- purple bathing suit and painted green. I'd say, well, there's no culture to appropriate there. He's a fictional character. But I still think the point remains the same. Maui's costume, as it were, is he's half naked, wearing a grass skirt, covered in tattoos. If you're trying to dress up as him, that's what you would do. I, I, I don't think it's cultural appropriation or blackface, as it were, to, I mean, can we just look at context for a moment? What fucking child blackfaces on purpose? Because that's really, I mean, they're calling it cultural appropriation, but that's really what they're saying. 
that to dress as Maui is to do blackface. And again, I don't know what you want kids who want to be that character to do. Why not actually praise the fact that they created a fairly accurate representation of a Polynesian man building oh, now you, No, 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 no. Now you're going to angry up the... Oh, you know, I the know liberals. That. How dare you make Polynesian? You made Polynesians look fat. You know that is another controversy that came out of well, it. Which and I'm going to yell about that one. You yell about this one. I'll yell about the, the fat shaming. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll yell about okay. that one. So you have, you know, an accurate portrayal, and I'll let you handle the yelling about it of a Polynesian man. To the point where even in Pulp Fiction, and I'm just going to quote it here, let's not take it out of context and say, you, know, you racist, but fucking Samuel Jackson, what's a nigga going to do? He's Samoan. Samoans are Polynesian, just, just to make sure we're all on the same page here. So, again, you have white children, far and wide, looking at this guy, thinking, he's cool. I want a fish hook and tattoos just like him and run around in a grass skirt and call myself Maui. I got news for you, folks. I don't know how else you would get, you know, young white middle class children to engage in learning of Polynesian culture other than this way. Why not, you know, embrace it instead of pissing on Disney's shoes and whining and complaining that, quote unquote, brown skin, not a costume. Yes, it is. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. If I might agree with your point very briefly. Brown skin is not a costume. A brown bodysuit with tattoos and a grass skirt and a funky wig clearly representing a mythological character now immortalized in popular culture. Yeah, that is a costume. Here's a fun question for you. Unless you people were also screaming about Hercules, because really, if you want to get into cultural appropriation, have a look at Hercules in the Disney movie, and then find me a Greek guy who looks like their version of Hercules. You mean the white Anglo-Saxon version of Hercules? Not just that, he's a ginger. (laughs) I, I guarantee you, you're in for a long look, all right? If you want to complain about know. cultural appropriation, that's your movie. I mean, how many Greek men have, have people come across that look like Hercules? I mean, you know, pale, <laughs> redheaded. Not too many that I Greeks that I grew up with. With the square I grew up jaw. On <laughs> the square jaw and the blue eyes, and no, he is very clearly. Again, the waspy interpretation of Hercules. I, this is one of the, I'm going to end by saying this. I think I've made myself abundantly clear that I think this is horseshit and that the people doing this, you know, you want to know what, not to be political, and I swear to God, I'm going to cut this short. Why morons voted for Trump out there? Because of people complaining about cultural appropriation in Moana. This ever-growing feeling that nothing you do is right and that some asshole from academia probably is going to start screaming and yelling at you that what you're doing is wrong and everything about you is wrong, 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 wrong. 
Well, you know what? After a while, people react and they react badly. Her strong man is feeding them whatever horseshit he needs to to get them to believe in him. Yes, a bit of a leap from Moana to, 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 to Trump. But the, but the facts remain the same, that when you have a very vocal minority telling the majority that everything about them and everything they believe and everything that they think is wrong, you people will react harshly. This is a very small example of that. This isn't cultural appropriation. It's not racism. It's a fucking costume based on what a character looks like in a movie. They didn't go out of their way to make the costume, like, you know, it's not like it comes, it's not like a fat suit or anything, you know. The kid modeling it actually looked Polynesian. They went out of their way to find model, kid models to look like the characters as best they could. It's, so it's not like even the model of the costume is this, you know, white kid from, from the San Fernando Valley somewhere. This is the sort of shit that's pissing people off and making them do crazy things like vote for, an, like vote for a nincompoop like Donald Trump. So you had yourselves to blame, liberals. You had yourselves to blame. So fuck now. That's all right. I'll climb onto mine for a very brief moment. All right. Here's my – and again, I'm going to yell at reviewers in a moment. But the big controversy pertaining to Moana that I was aware of was the notion that it was offensive to make uh, that, that, you know, early images of Maui reinforce the negative stereotype that Polynesians are fat. And I wanted to throw something. There's two reasons I wanted to throw something. One deals with the hypocrisy of that position. And here's why. Just real briefly. Because these same asshats that are crying about where it's it, it, it perpetuates the stereotype. Not all Polynesians are fat. Wah, wah, wah. Those same asshats. If you had gone the other way, let's, li- let's go to this alternate reality where Maui as a character actually looks like The Rock instead of what he looks like in the movie. Let's, just, well, let's swap universes to that one. Same asshats are going to find enough lube to remove their head from their own anal orifice just long enough to say you've created an unrealistic expectation for Polynesian boys everywhere. Shame on you. You people are just never happy. You're a bunch of miserable, whiny, sycophant jackasses. Crying about things that don't pertain to you. Your your pseudo-crusade for moral justice is... It's sickening. Shut up. And the second reason I wanted to flip a table was... You know, for all the preachiness that you people... And this is generally the same group have about you shouldn't you know fat shame you shouldn't you should accept people as they are well here's a movie that does a relatively fair representation of the pacific islanders if you were to again if we're generalizing most people of pacific island descent are they are 
Again, they're thick through the legs and torso. There's a reason that conception exists. It happens to be accurate 95% of the time. You ever see Mark Hunt? All of you people out there, look up Mark Hunt. Or look up Haku. Or, yeah, Haku. I mean, there's all the... I, uh, for those of you who don't know, I live in Utah, and we actually do have a fairly substantial uh, population of various islands, various islanders, excuse me. So I actually did kind of learn the difference between a Samoan and a Tongan when I was in junior high school, because uh, don't call one the other. Just, <laughs> just a bad idea. <laughs> kind of like Jamaicans and Haitians. They don't like each other. Don't, don't confuse them. Oh, they don't dislike each other necessarily. And again, some of this is generalized. It's not that they dislike each other. It's that, no, I'm not. I mean, Mark, and this is something that if I were to contextualize it a little bit, uh, you know, if everyone kind of came up to you who was of a different race and said, oh, so you're from Mayberry. Just because you're white. I mean, and that's just kind of the impression I got was, no, don't be an idiot. Not all black people are from Harlem. Not all Islanders are from Samoa. Okay. No, I apologize. One. What was that? That actually did happen. No, true story. That kind of happened to me when I was in England once, where I had, I had somebody from, uh, from England said to me, you know, I've always wanted to go to America. I've seen, I've seen your schools on TV, like that show Saved by the Bell. I've always wanted to go to a school like that. Wait, what? <laughs> you you are assuming that because I'm from America, my the school I go to is you know the high school I went to rather uh, is like the one from Saved by the Bell. Yes, sir. That is what I believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, cultural ignorance is a bad thing. Cultural l- literacy, exploration, intelligence, a good thing. And mine was expanded again when I was in junior high and just. Needed to learn a little something about that. And so here we have a representation that is generally fair. And here's the other thing. It's not insulting. Maui's not fat. Uh, Moana's father, also not fat. They're thick. Which, and, and again, let me bring this up and let me say this very clearly is a generally accurate representation. They have, well, all they have done here is celebrate a culture. But no, you're now fat shaming. And if you weren't fat shaming, if, again, if they had gone the other direction, you'd be whining about unrealistic, uh, as- unrealistic expectations. You but, would but actually complain that Maui looks nothing like the average Islander. Yeah. They would have, yeah, they would have been complaining that they Americanized. You're, you're never happy. Shut up. I, uh, it, it, what drives me crazy about this, and then we'll, we'll move on, I promise. People who are like, what a fucking political podcast. I don't want to listen to this. But it needs to be said. It needs Certainly to be Certainly in this instance. <laughs> I mean, Disney went out of its way. They sent the people working on the film they, to... Uh, the Polynesian islands. They had people who were experts in Polynesian history and culture. I mean, do you know how much research went into this movie before they even started to develop a script? Look, you want to complain well, I did, about because I did research on the movie. <laughs> you want to complain about the movie about about Disney? Fine, there are there are things to complain about. 
you know, they, uh, they, now I don't know how accurate this still is. This book is from years ago. But the, I remember there, you know, a book being written about the horrors of Disney behind the scenes of, you know, perverts working in the parks and looking in on, like, other cast members, you know, dressing rooms and things like that, or them having, um, them, them having like quality measures or uh, um, uh, what you call it. Ah, uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember the term now. Uh, but you know, them, you know, they had to get X amount of people on a ride and off a ride uh, per hour to the point where it was injuring people, you know, things like that. There are plenty of them firing people in mass are enforcing X amount of work more than they should on the remaining people that, you know, things like, you know, things like that. There's really any multi-billion company has those and Disney has them as well. So why are you making stuff up here? People there's, I say this about movies frequently. There's plenty to criticize here. I, I yelled about this ad nauseum with Dawn of justice. There's plenty here to criticize, kindly don't make stuff up. Yeah. I think that's all that needs to be said about this and a nice way to sum it up. So your turn to hit the button, buddy. Are you ready? Uh, no, hang on. It's located in this really odd spot. There it is. Play. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 There are. <laughs> this guy's certified fresh rating. Read your spin. Read all. All three. right. Point me at him. Read this thing. Kirk Baird's Blade. As an animated film, Moana is best. Postcard on the big screen. The animation couldn't be or inviting. Sorry. Really? Were you? Did you? Can you not hear? I mean, I assume this is like this is a deaf person, unable to actually process dialogue or the you know the spoken language, who is reduced to commenting purely on the animation. Because really, you you could not possibly have been more wrong. Well, this is willful. This has to be deliberate. This is when I pay attention to me. I cannot possibly understand how you viewed the same material that I did under the same circumstances and reached a conclusion that wrong. I accept disagreement that two people can view the same material and come to somewhat different conclusions. That's fair and rational that's not you must have flipped a coin i understand how this person could even compare to the last couple of like it was like oh it's not the best disney film because like zootopia was the best okay whatever i'm not gonna cry about that as much. We, let's just compare okay, it to we can argue that here. but really Let, let's just compare it to the last couple of musicals as we were doing before so Moana, whose plot was very straightforward, and there really weren't any holes in it, compared to Frozen, whose plot still doesn't make any sense, it, it, it's but that was the plot of Frozen. 
There is no uh, plot to Frozen. Frozen is a giant setup from song to song. It's a very bad off-Broadway musical from a structural standpoint. I think, you know, Tangled was pretty straightforward. It was, Mom doesn't want me to leave my room, so I run away, uh, and Mom tries to get her back. I'm going to run away with this stranger who came in through my window, and uh, things are going to work out for me. (laughs) Because she's got a dream. I mean, look, plot enough, but not 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 better than Moana. In the in, the, in our hero uh, Rapunzel, Moana. Uh, I not leave the yeah. home to be. Uh, Princess and the Frog. I mean, I like the Tiana. Tiana's pretty strong. She's very close. Um, the music again for. Um, they're no all Then fine. I certainly, you know, your mileage may vary, as you said. So, uh, I, Mark, like, your what, your Asian accent is better than what Channing Tatum's would have been. <laughs> Why? Thank you. You know, so let's compare it to the gold. There's almost no comparison. When you get, there are a few Disney movies that are better than this. A lot of the others that you're going to complain. Well, hang on. There are a few that are better than this, but a lot of the argument you're going to run into is people claiming, well, it's a classic without being able to substantiate the argument. And that seems like what this gentleman's doing. I'm going to spout stuff and uh, I'm not going to support it because it's the internet. Never mind that it's your job. I mean, I ran the princess. He's the strongest. Yeah. Uh, and, pretty much on personality, in character. Character development, character I mean, arc, uh, action taken. I've talked a lot about a lot of this show and Long Road to Ruin. I remember talking about like the, the original Cinderella. Which is, you know, which is a monumental movie, and people love it. There's no plot to that thing. No, I actually wound up rewatching that entire movie while donating plasma a couple of weeks ago, and I was shocked upon rewatching it that, and for those of you who haven't seen it in a while or at all, some fifty percent of that movie is the mice dicking around. <laughs> Put the mice at a Oh, you don't even need a commercial break. Bring me my breakfast. They, they, you know, they, they rip her clothing off. Bibbity bobbity in love with the prince. Here's your shoe. We're done. The movie. Um. So again, the best part of that movie is Ellen. The movie is nothing without uh, Ursula. King, but again, the, the, your star is such a douche nozzle. It's sort of yeah. All right, we've, we've given this individual too much time. Next. Mark Dudstick of Mark Reviews Movies. And it you should appropriate a, that domain. <laughs> Moana looks lovely. Really haven't. Rounded though by too much that's all too familiar. 
did we not go on for We've about 40 about minutes about how this movie broke convention? I mean, this, this, this jackass is probably the same who said, same type of guy who said, well, Dr. Strange is just an Iron Man remake and the secret life of pets is a beat for beat remake of Toy Story. Probably. You're the type of moron who knows just enough to get you into trouble. We were talking earlier about how I think it frustrates me even more that this jackass got himself credentials and on Rotten Tomatoes. But, you know, I'm still trying to figure out the whole price for movie tickets. It ain't bad, I tell you. No, it it really is. is We need to look into that because you and I, I mean, look, we're not the best, but we're better than about half of these jackasses. Steven Gredanus. At nine, oh, geez, I can't read it tonight. Uh, the great It's far to say that Moana combines every Disney with everything I dislike. Both. I would love to know what he dislikes. That would be an interesting read. Um, do you dislike movies that make sense? Maybe movies with character. Uh, maybe you dislike movies with The Rock. I'm not sure I agree with... Mo- maybe Michael Bay is just your paragon of movie making. <laughs> uh, alternatively, maybe Tarantino is, and you, uh, you hate this movie because the dialogue is accessible to children and not just cinema files. All right, I think we're done here. In summation, sir, find a bridge... Not very high. I don't want you to die. I want you to suffer. Uh, so about 10 feet-ish. And kindly fall off of it, preferably landing on your feet so that you can shatter an ankle and I can feel better. And you will maybe learn something. All right. We are not doing a show for the next week. Nothing of value comes up this Friday. Nothing of value. However, uh, next However, we'll be dropping Polar 2, which in theory we'll be reviewing myself and Pat on a show I'd like to now dub called TV Party Tonight. In all of our shows. Uh, but anything that we review from Netflix. So all of our television uh, series will now be done under that auspice. All right, good to know. That's right. Yes. I just came up with that. Thank you, Black Flag. Uh, um, however, we are not reviewing anything um, week. Uh, the following week, uh, we, we are not doing any. The, theoretically, we will be reviewing Fuller House season X. Uh, Rogue One comes out on fall on December. Ticket for it. Uh, we will be reviewing that on the twentieth. Twenty second, reviewing that. Seven, and we'll be joined by Sean Comer. Um, just a quick, I'm gonna give it over to Robert to do his plugs. Uh, they're personal, and I and I don't want to talk about it. But we are uh, experiencing some difficulties here at the old Rattlers and Broadcasting Network. 
So after Assassin's Creed, damn you, Hollywood, we'll be taking a hiatus until March. Uh, we're Are we not doing, doing a, any movie wait, reviews. Weren't we going to do the year, the year end review should still be on, right? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, and then damn you, Hollywood, the year end review on December 29th. I apologize. Okay. Yep, that's still happening. Uh, wanted to be sure. That, okay. uh, both damn you, Hollywood, and tell the long road to ruin on in. The long road to ruin for sure, then going into, into um, I don't know when or going to come back. Um, but Hollywood will be off. We will not do that anymore. Very views Lego Batman. I just may not be saying that again. Um, reviews in the month of February. We will pick back up in. March with Logan on March 7th. We'll do Skull Island on March 14th, and then Beauty and the Beast on March 20th. Uh, and then we'll be off again for a few weeks until Fast and the Furious 8 comes out. But if you want to know, message me privately on Facebook. Email me at mrattledge at gmail.com. Uh, in the meantime, Metal has going on hiatus. Doing at this point that isn't taking. Um, to which I say thank you. Uh, uh, so that um, we're just going to take a week off at the beginning of January. Up again on January 11th with perspective. Ads and covers. After that stuff. Term machine. Um, my my band in high school called Anvil, and we spelled it A N Q V I L. Anyway, the drummer in my band from high school has a new um, and it's called If He Dies. They they haven't released the waves. Um, uh, we'll be reviewing that on the Metal Hammer of Doom the same week as Robert Cooper and I. I We'll be running Legendary Defender season. Uh, we'll be reviewing the new Creator album, Gods of Violence. Uh, uh, that's it for now. The rest of the calendar are relatively the same. Really, totally change at all. Uh, we've got tomorrow the second half of Hardwired and Self Destruct. We've been the Potter series on Thursday with the Deathly Hollows. We're supposed to review the new helmet, so I'm not doing it. <laughs> Instead, we're going to review Oakley Dokley. Yes! The band is the Oakley Dokley. called Hallelujah. It's available on Spotify. It's hilarious. I can't wait to talk about it. So Metal Hammer of Doom will be reviewing Oakley Dokley. Assuming I have asked Long Road to Ruin will have a special guest here, formerly of the casual here. Uh, we'll be the Netto Trilogy. Metal Hammer of Doom will be reviewing the new Super Joint, Caught in the Gears of Application. And finally, 
Rogue One uh, will be Metal Hammer of Doom will be Christmas for you. I'm leaning towards Twisted Christmas. Metal Christmas song. I don't know what we're going to do. We're calling it. We wish, we wish you a metal Christmas. I'm your friend, the metal hammer of your end for 28th of December. So, that's it. All right. Yeah, sorry. My plugs are pretty simple. Uh, this coming Saturday, I will be providing live coverage for the Ultimate Fighter Season 24 finale. Come watch Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson try to defend his flyweight title against Tim Elliott. Sorry if I spoiled the outcome of that show. You should feel bad that you didn't know. Uh, also, Joseph Benavides and Henry Cejudo were going to fight. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. There's other fights, and I'll be covering them, but... Uh, that's basically it. This Sunday on the 411 Ground and Pound radio show, we will be reviewing the Ultimate Fighter season 24's finale. We will also be previewing UFC Fight Night 102. Let me make sure I have this correct. Should be UFC Fight Night 102. Yeah, Lewis versus Abdurahimov. This card is awful. Uh... The top two fights are mid-level heavyweights. I want to die. Uh, we will but, also be previewing UFC 206, which is the day after that fight night card. Holloway versus Pettis. Um, this card lost its main event this week. There was a snafu with the uh, featherweight title that just made me want to throw stuff because... How do you handle things this badly? And now we have 206 with Max Holloway versus Anthony Pettis for the interim featherweight championship. For those of you going, but there's already an interim featherweight champion. I know. I know. And (laughs) I have no, I have no response other than, the UFC desperately believes that adding yet another fake belt to this might salvage a buy rate. It won't. Um, <laughs> it's not the worst card in the world. There's three decent fights. Uh, but we'll be previewing that. And yeah, that's it. Unless some other major news breaks. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I think I lost you, Mark. You there? Yeah, no, I said you sound so sad. Eh, that that whole situation with stripping McGregor of the belt. I'm okay with them taking the featherweight belt off of McGregor. He's never going to fight at featherweight anyway. But really, to do it now in a desperate bid to save a doomed card, it's just sad. And I like that main event. I like Holloway versus Pettis. I really do. It should be a really good fight. Okay. I'm hitting the music. We done? Yeah, we're done. All right, folks. We will see you for our review of Rogue One.
fun in a few weeks. Until then, for yourself, be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>